Hello again, and thank you for listening to Knowing God with Heart and Mind, that regular visit to that virtual church classroom at Shiloh United Methodist Church in Jasper, Indiana. I'm Pastor Dan, and I'm joined by my beautiful daughter, Bethany, who's helping me to study the book by C.S. Lewis, Mere Christianity, with you. This is episode 33, and it's being recorded on Thursday, October 24th, 2019. So, this is episode 33, and if I'm not mistaken, episode 34 is the last one for this book. This is the penultimate penultimate great, great word. word so we're gonna we're gonna be uh wrapping this one up and then uh moving on to a advent study and we'll tell you a little more about that later but this is uh jack that is his preferred nickname jack's book four chapter 10 nice people or new men this is a topic from the book that definitely hits my buttons <clears throat> for a variety of reasons, which I'm sure will come out whether I want them to or not. <laughs> but anyway, uh, we're looking at basically the premise that, you know, if, if Christianity is true, then why aren't all Christians nicer than non-Christians? So, there's a series of questions associated with that premise, but, you know... Just to start with, just the the mere fact that this is so true is, mm-hmm. you know, there are non-Christians out there who are going, you know, if Christianity is, is you know, all about love and the grace of God and everything, then how come so many Christians act like jerks? Mm-hmm. Well, let's see what Jack says before I start opining on the topic. <laughs> uh If conversation, uh, excuse me, if conversion to Christianity makes no improvement in actions, the conversion is what, according to Jack? Imaginary. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what else can you say? Um, There's a lot of people who consider themselves Christians because they were raised in the church and they're good people. That's what they'll tell you. Mm-hmm. I'm a good person. Yeah. I grew, grew, went to church all my life. That makes me a Christian. I'm a Christian because my parents told me so. I'm a Christian because my pastor told me so. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, the fact that they're good people is usually not disputed. If good means that you're not a criminal, um, you know, because, because most people in society don't exhibit criminal behavior thankfully mm-hmm. <laughs> that would be anarchy <clears throat> and so the mere fact that a person is more apt to do a just and honorable thing in any given situation does by societal standards make them good but according to christian belief there's a little more to being a christian isn't there yeah so when Christians behave badly or fail to behave at all, behave well rather, what do we do to Christianity? So when a Christian acts badly mm-hmm. or behaves poorly, what's that do to Christianity? Well, Jack points out <clears throat> that Christ is the one who told us to judge by results. Like he said that <clears throat> the tree will be known by its fruit. Right. And he said, so he says that 
if most Christians are not behaving super awesome, then they're the only thing that they're doing is making Christianity unbelievable to people who aren't there. Yeah. So the rest of the world isn't, you know. So, and I really like he says, he references the kind of war propaganda where they said, that said careless talk. You yeah. Know, careless talk costs lives. Care, you know. Loose lips sink ships. Yeah, that too. Um, <clears throat> and he says that it's actually, he thinks the reverse is actually equally true. Careless lives cost talk. Hmm. Hmm. Um, so that's good. If we're not setting an example as Christians, then that's going to get people, that's going to cause people to talk and think that there is no truth to what we say. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, I think that we live in a time when traditional Christianity, well, I don't want to call it that. I want to go back to traditional Christianity we're living in a time where church, especially denominational church, is irrelevant. You can't, you, we're past the point of people in society on the whole being able to say <clears throat> something informed about church. Mm-hmm. We're past the point where the general population has an informed expression of 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 their opinion of church it's become so irrelevant that they don't even know what not to like or what to like they just they they drive by certain church buildings and they maybe occasionally wonder what goes on there but i'm not even sure that they even pay attention well and i do think i was listening to a podcast on my way home last night um that is it's a book podcast but they decided I haven't finished it, so I don't have a full, um, I can't give you everything, but it's a book podcast that I really like, and the woman who leads it is someone that I wish lived in my state, because I'd like to be friends with her, but she, they decided to tackle books about faith, and at the beginning of the podcast, they were talking about how a lot of millennials are deeply rooted in their Christian faith. But they've pretty well rejected and given up on the practices of the church, especially the evangelical church at large in the United States. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I believe that. Yeah. Um, and I think it's interesting because evangelicals, <laughs> in my observation, take a great deal of pride in being evangelicals. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know... I mean, I hate to say it, but when you're the top dog, you're everybody's target. And so the whole megachurch evangelical thing has become the primary target. Mm -hmm. And even though we are part of a denomination, my goal since arriving as pastor of Shiloh has been not to separate from the denomination uh, in any undue way, but to help Shiloh to become known for its own expression of Christ, mm-hmm. um, not apart from the doctrinal standards of the denomination, not apart from Wesleyan theology and doctrine, <clears throat> but to stand alone in people's minds in the community so that when they look at us, 
they see an expression of Christ and not a denomination or evangelicalism mm-hmm. or or orthodoxy or mm-hmm. any of that. Just if if they want to be involved in a church where they have uh, the kind of f- f- expression that goes along with their faith, they can find it there. Mm-hmm. Or they can at least find an environment that is open to their influence, which is really important. I mean, I, I don't know how to get that message out, but what I want them to understand, what I want the next generations of Shiloh members to understand is I'm not trying to create an environment where you have to conform to be a part of it. I'm trying to create an environment where the only thing that matters is is our devotion and loyalty to Christ. And as a organization, I want us to be flexible and free enough to recognize what God's doing through those millennials, for example, mm-hmm. and to recognize that and to encourage it and to help them succeed with the benefit of years of wisdom and experience mm-hmm. that you know, as kind of God's way of using the generations to achieve God's ends. So, mm-hmm. anyway, that one would bear repeating under certain circumstances, I think. <laughs> so, detractors illogically demand post-conversion improvement by neatly doing what? <laughs> yeah, so he said that they kind of separate people into two camps, Christian and non-Christian. And that they just assume that anybody in the first camp, the Christian camp, should automatically be nicer than anybody in the second camp at all times. And he says that's completely unreasonable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, um, the kind of counter irrelevancy, the thing that op- that is opposite of being irrelevant is that people want you to be conformed to their pigeonholes that they have, you know, in their minds. They mm-hmm. they have not rendered your church or your practice of your faith as irrelevant. In fact, what they've done is is they've said that if your faith and your church matter, then they'll either be this or they'll be that, or they don't. Mm-hmm. You know, or they aren't what they profess to be. Well, and Lewis, he he kind of says his one of his responses to it, which I think is awesome, is he says it's these are my words, but he says it's basically a statistical fallacy. Mm-hmm. Like that, like by putting people in those one or the other camp, you're saying that at all times there's like that. That that sh- that will equal a hundred percent, like forty percent of the the world is Christian and the other sixty percent aren't. Right, and you can't. That's and he said even within those two groups, like you're gonna meet Christians who are like on the higher end of the spectrum as far as Christians, and there's people who are on the other end of the spectrum as Christians. And he said then you're also gonna meet spoken like a psychology geek. Sorry. <laughs> Well, well so, I used the word statistical fallacy, so there you go. <laughs> no, right. And, and that kind of leads to the next question. So, mass comparisons fail. Yeah. 
And according to Jack, what is needed to compare the bad Christian and the good atheist? Well, what I was about to say is he says, like, you you know, there are people who who may not identify as a Christian, but there's like, he's, he says they may be really strongly attracted to Christ. And in that way, they're further along than some people who say they're Christians because they're like, they're sitting there going, well, I don't think I'm a Christian, but this guy, right. There's something about this guy. And they're really drawn into that. Um, and he also says like, there are people who are maybe practicing other religions but they find themselves drawn to something that is very similar in their religion to something in Christianity. And he says, like, they might belong to Christ and not even know it because mm-hmm. they're so specifically drawn to that piece of their religion. Um, yep. Yep. What do you do about people who don't profess a religion or even a faith in Christ who, in many respects, act more like a Christian should than church-going, self-proclaimed Christians. Mm-hmm. You know, how do, how do you deal with that? Well, the only thing you can do is you can take confidence in knowing that God is completely wise and knowledgeable, and, and that when God judges, God will judge fairly in more mm-hmm. ways than we can really wrap our minds around. Yeah. And and I have more hope for people who don't go to church than some church people I know. Mm-hmm. And that's really just how it is. It's and he says, like, if you're comparing, like, if you want to compare cats and dogs, you can because there's a basis for comparison. But he says with Christians and non-Christians, just based on everything we just talked about that he shares it's unless you're thinking about a specific Christian and a specific non-Christian that you know, making those comparisons is pretty well impossible because we're basing a mass comparison off of media and just vague ideas that we have. So he says that if you're going to compare the so-called bad Christian and good atheist, you have to think about a bad Christian and a good Christian that you know to compare. Um, because otherwise you're just it's time wasting because you're it it's not real. Yeah, I'm with you. I think you nailed it. I just was looking at the next question and got a little absorbed with it. <laughs> so I'm going to try very carefully to, you know, I usually on these podcasts I try not to sound like I'm reading questions, but I'm reading this one very carefully. True or false? Christian Miss Bates should stop telling non-Christian Dick Firkin to go to H-E space, space, space. (laughs) Conversely, Dick should seek to avoid ending up there. True or false? True. (laughs) So, to clear any confusion up for people, Jack uses... He, two made-up characters, Miss Bates, who is a Christian but is foul-mouthed and mean-spirited and just really not a person you want to be around. He compares her with Mr. Dick Firkin, who is a professed atheist but also very kind. 
gentle with his words and generally a do-gooder does the right thing. Mm-hmm. Um, those are the, the two that he kind of uses for his real bad Christian and good atheist. Just for clarification, because otherwise that question sounds weird. Well, sure. <laughs> and so if Dick's niceness may cause him not to seek God, but what is the source of his niceness? Well, it's still God. Yeah. Because God still gave us all everything that, you know, anything good about us. See, I've argued for years, only because I discovered it once a long time ago, that the source of beauty and knowledge and truth is God, whether you believe in God or not. Mm -hmm. And the reality is just that the artist who creates beautiful things that inspire our souls is expressing the mind of God, whether they're actively participating with God in the process. Mm -hmm. You know, that the doctor who is able to use the knowledge of their profession, the collective knowledge of their profession, and their skill to do microsurgery that gives people a whole new quality of life uh, may not believe in God, but that doctor is participating with God in a healing process that God desires. Mm -hmm. And not only that, but is using knowledge of God's created order Mm -hmm. that was gifted to them. God didn't have to reveal or allow the discovery of the inner workings of the human body, or for that matter, any other aspect of creation. Mm -hmm. Um, I've heard it argued, and I would tend to agree, that the fact that we as humanity have discovered how to use fossil fuels to accomplish great good in the world, because because fossil fuels make it possible for ships and airplanes to transport food from prosperous nations to poor, starving nations, for example, <clears throat> in a way that was never possible before. Um, fossil fuels make it possible for a terrible earthquake that results in, in hundreds of deaths and tons of debris on top of living survivors, and because of fossil fuels, rescuers from all over the world can arrive within hours Mm -hmm. and help to save someone who may be praying for deliverance. Mm -hmm. So the point is, is that God has unraveled the mysteries of God's creation, has, has allowed us to discover it, who has not kept it hidden. And yeah, much of it can be used for evil, but it can also be used for good. And so, God lets creation uh, expose itself, so to speak, in a way that gives good people the option to do good with it and bad people the option of doing bad with Mm -hmm. it. But then there are all the sort of ambiguous people in the world who are neither for God or against God and... Therefore, they're just going through life using their human interpretation of God's creation to do good. In which case, they're participating with God in God's good works. Yeah. And so, you know, that's kind of heavy theology, but it's it's important to keep in mind that the source of everything good is God. So, true or false? It may be easier for those who are poor in niceness 
i.e. the mean and nasty, than those who are rich in niceness to enter the kingdom of God. He talks about, well, he kind of goes back to the Beatitudes and talks about how possibly when Christ was talking about blessed are the poor, he wasn't just saying like, like poor in money. Mm -hmm. He was saying like the people who, because if you know that you're like really nice and people enjoy being around you, you're going to think you're going to be tempted to think that that's because of how great you are. And that could keep you from entering heaven. Yeah. And because you're not attributing, like he talks about, he, he describes it as a paradox. He says like, okay, Dick Firkin, who's super nice, as long as he isn't turning to God and thinking that the niceness is his own, then it's not. But as soon as he realizes that the only reason he's so nice is because it's a gift from God, and he, if he offers it back to God, that's when it suddenly starts to become his own. Mm-hmm. And so, if people are going around thinking, well, I'm just a really lovely person. Everybody's always telling me how great I am. And they're not attributing that to the person, well, not the person, but the source. Mm-hmm. Then they're poor in spirit. They're poor and not the good, you know, they're, they're not the blessed poor. Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, it's like that whole, um, you know, the chosen people thing. Mm -hmm. You will meet people who, and by the way, this could apply to evangelicals just as surely as it could apply to Jews. Oh, yeah. Okay? There are people who believe God chose them because they're awesome. (laughs) And there are people who believe God chose them because of precisely the opposite reason. Because I was the least of my tribe, and my tribe the least among the tribes. And the only reason that I was given this opportunity is because it would prove that God's glory was evident. And that, by the way, is my rough paraphrase of Gideon. Well, if you look at, not Gideon, but if you look at the New Testament, like, Jesus didn't call people who were doing really awesome. Sure. That's not who he surrounded himself with. Yeah. And Jack says that it's because the so-called nasty people are the ones who, if they make an attempt at goodness, they really quickly realize they can't do it on their own. Yeah. And so it's a lot, it, it, it actually is easier for them because they're like, okay, well, I'm not going to be able to succeed at this without Christ. And I think if you look at the New Testament, there's your proof. Who who did Christ call to serve with him and who answered the call? Yep. Because there were plenty of other, you know, all those Pharisees and Sadducees could have answered, but they were really stuck on how right they were. Yep. Which is, by the way, why they're so sad, you see. That is the worst. (laughs) (laughs) Move on. Redemption is not mere improvement. It is not teaching a horse to jump better, but what? Yeah, well, it's it's like making something new. What he's talked about before. It's not. It's not like 
<laughs> I mean, this is going to be weird. It reminds me of Pokemon. And I don't know much about Pokemon, but what I do know is that instead of leveling up your Pokemon, your Pokemon evolves. I see. And becomes something new. It's still the thing. I know even less than you do, so just... But it becomes... Well, this is why I'm saying it, because he describes, like, instead of teaching a horse to jump, the horse is a new creature with wings. Yeah. It's given wings. So, in Pokemon, like... Pikachu's the only one I know. Pikachu starts out as the real cute little yellow guy, but he also evolves into, like, bigger, better, different versions of himself. That's where I was going with that. Well, it's a a good analogy. Um, Back in my day, we called it being born again. (laughs) Well, I know. (laughs) And and back in my day, that was what evangelicals said, so the rest of us tried not to say it. But they're way past that now, you know. (laughs) I'm joking. So Jack, I'm well, not worried. He doesn't. Jack doesn't quote Uncle Ben, but he says something almost identical to Uncle Ben in Spider Man. He says that if you're a nice person, if virtue comes easily to you, beware, because much is expected from those to whom much is given. It's true. With great power comes great responsibility, Uncle Ben. It's true. Um, yeah, but the Bible says it too. You know. I know. Maybe Uncle Ben got it from the Bible. You don't know. I think that what you find in popular literature is there are so many themes that come right out of the Bible, but they don't even know it. (laughs) So, you know how many Abraham Lincoln quotes are attributed to him that are just him quoting scripture? scripture. Yeah. I mean, Stan and Jack, not Jack Lewis, Jack Kirby. Right. They were both Jewish kids, so there's every chance that they knew exactly where that was coming from. Probably. Anyway. So, once one begins to see that Christianity is probable, and then sets up some stupid and unsatisfactory Christian as an example of the boasted new man, what is the person doing? Say it again. So once you decide that being a Christian is probable, that -hmm. that there is a truth to this, Mm -hmm. and then you set up a stupid, unsatisfactory example of a Christian Mm -hmm. as your model, then what what are you doing? Well, he, I mean, Jack says, like, you can't, you can't do that because you don't know anything about what's going on inside somebody. Um, and because the only, like, unless you set yourself up. Right. You, like, it, it, it's meaningless because the only soul that you know in the whole of creation completely is your own. It's the one you're in charge of. And even then you might not totally know it. Yeah. So... Yeah, I mean, you know, my my answer to that question is really, I would just say, um, in fact, I do every every week or, you know, as often as possible in my ministry work, I always say, please, don't just take my word for it. Mm-hmm. You study this. You know, it comes back to our premise for knowing God with heart and mind, critical thinking. We expect people to use their brain. And to approach their relationship with God intelligently. 
And so they have to recognize that I am, as their pastor and their teacher, doing my best to present myself as a reasonable example. But more than that, I'm trying to present them with truth. Mm -hmm. Because if I try to live some example that I can't be, then I'll probably fail spectacularly. Mm-hmm. And then really set myself up as an example of the, the the worst form of church and religion. And so it's far wiser for me to just say, I'm on the journey too. I'm on this pilgrimage to heaven and I'm doing the best I can to get there. And all I want you to see when you look at me is someone who's striving for holiness too. Mm-hmm. And if you see a greater holiness in me than you perceive in others, then all that means is is that I've been working at it longer and may have attained a certain level of competency that you're not as experienced with. But that's just like saying that I want to learn to juggle and I see certain people in the world who juggle in ways that I've never seen anyone else juggle. Mm -hmm. And then I see the average juggler, and I see the me in the mirror who's just barely managing to accomplish it. Mm-hmm. And it's really like that. Um, I can point you to so many people that I admire and revere as far better Christians than I am. And that's exactly as it should be. Right. So I think that's really what it boils down to, is that when you become a Christian, the first thing you need to do is you do rely on the body to help you. You know, you do rely on other Christians to help you along the way. God relies on other Christians to help you along the way. But the most important thing to do is look at Christ, you know, and and don't don't look at the people that you admire as your only example. You know, look at them as people who are like you trying to find the way. Mm-hmm. And um, it's sort of like if, if uh, you know... If you were thirsty and I found a well and I came and found you and brought you to the well. And then when we got to the well, I showed you how you have to keep some water in the primer bucket and you have to pour it in. And then you have to pump, 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 pump until the water finally comes up from the aquifer and starts to flow. And then the first thing you do is fill the primer bucket and leave it alone. And then you keep pumping until you've gotten all the water you need. Um, I'm showing you, and I'm showing you how, oh, shoot, I forgot to do this, or I forgot mm-hmm. to do that. Now i got to start over. You know, that that's what you should see when you look at other Christians, is people who know where the deliverance is and can lead you to it, but then they're going to show you, by example, how they're living it out, and they're going to show what they've learned in a way that proves that they have a little more knowledge about it than you do and a little more practice. Mm -hmm. And that's what you should see when you look. Yeah. And that's why you should look to Christ. So, all right. I think we pretty well covered the second to last chapter. I think so. So, with that, I guess we're going to wrap it up. Are there any final words for our friends? I don't think so. Well, friends, we have pleaded with you the last few episodes to contact us just to let us know that you're listening. Uh, Haven't heard from you yet, Mm. but that's okay. 
Um, we're also recording in advance, so, so I'm, yeah. I may be expecting something that can't happen until you actually hear <laughs> the episodes where we start. So shame on me. <laughs> Nevertheless, it would just mean a lot to us to hear from you. You don't have to do anything other than say hi and maybe where you're listening from because that would just be a blessing to us. Um, reminder that we are going to finish up with the last episode of the Mere Christianity Study. Uh, we may break for a week. I don't know. We have another study from the same author, Mr. Urban, uh, of the It's a Wonderful Life movie by Frank Capra. And we thought it would be fun to do that study, um, which will be recorded during the season of Advent. And so if you listen to it in real time, that'll be kind of fun for you. And then uh, we were looking at something else for after the first of the year, and I forget now what it was we were talking about, but... It'll come back. We'll, we'll remember, you know. Um, and if you have suggestions, let us know. You know, if you have requests, let us know. But for now, we just want to thank you for listening, remind you that you can connect with us through the best source, which is the Shiloh webpage, which is... Shilohum.org, that's S-H-I-L-O-H-U-M.org, and you'll find ways to reach us by contact information and so forth, and and uh, you can also use the Shiloh app, which is available in the Google Play Store or the Apple uh, iTunes App Store, and you can just look up Shiloh Jasper. And you'll find our app. You can also visit us on Facebook. So you've got all these options. And we would love for you to use one of them to reach out to us, if only to let us know you're there and where you're listening from. But for now, we just want to say God bless you and goodbye. See you later.